Hi there, welcome back to Talking Tech. We're still at virtually CES 2022, and we're having a special episode as a crossover with Intel Chip Chat. That's our podcast. I have special guests today, two of the designers behind Alder Lake. That's a code name for 12th gen Intel Core. It's a great conversation. Let's get right to it. All right, Tomer and Eric, thank you so much for joining me. I know the original plans had us all together in Las Vegas, but of course, you know, plans change, but I'm so glad that we're able to talk virtually here. So thanks so much for joining me from Israel. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you for having us. Yes, of course. And uh, first of all, uh, can you start off with, you know, your name, your title and uh, and what you do? Why don't you start, uh, Tomer? Sure. So Thomas Sasson, I'm the Alderic Platform Program Manager in the Client Computing Group uh, for Intel. Uh, been with Intel for 25 years, managed interesting projects in the past like Sandy Bridge and uh, Ultrabooks reference designs, but Adelec is probably the best and most interesting one I've ever done. Hi, I'm uh, Ari Gijon. Uh, I'm the SOC architecture uh, lead uh, for the Adelec project. I'm like 18 years at Intel, have uh, previous uh, experience in architecture and uh, main expertise in power management, but also different other uh, areas. Wonderful. Well, you're both uh, great contributors to Alder Lake, and I will say I'm a, I'm a big fan. It's one of the most exciting CPUs that I've uh, seen in a long time. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think that the, 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 the die here from the Core i9 desktop uh, S is a thing of beauty. In fact, uh, I kind of like it so much, I had a, uh, a, custom, a custom hoodie made. So uh, this is this is something that I had to have done because wow. I'm a big fan. You got the you got the P cores, you got the E cores. So uh, I'm just gonna wear this today. I think it's I think it's great. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's get started. So um, I, I first want to ask you uh, this this Alder Lake family at CES we revealed the entire family, right? Going from nine watts from the ultra portable all the way to the 125 watts full K SKUs on desktop. How did how did you create a design that supported such a scalable um, a range of, of processor needs? I, I think that you know the beauty of the other program is that it was designed upfront as a family of products. Uh, from the design phase throughout the validation, the manufacturing, the platform aspects of it, uh, all the way through you know the last moment before launch. Uh, it, it was designed that way such that we can really, you know, for the first time, bring four different uh, products to the market in such a short period. And uh, we have a few more to come. So we're absolutely not done with other kids. Is there anything for you to add to that, Eric? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we started, you know, by thinking of, on one SKU, but we knew that we have to support with one architecture, actually, the entire portfolio of the client segments. And this was a pretty big uh, challenge because you need you need to satisfy all vectors altogether while one segment doesn't need everything. So this uh, made us think quite a lot on architecture, what features we need to add and uh, what things we need to do in order to cope with the entire challenge of uh, supplying the entire family with one, uh, one scalable architecture. So this was uh, a big challenge. All right. So, so you, you, you just said challenge. Uh, what, was there, what was the most difficult or the most challenging thing? That, that you had to overcome and do during development of Alder Lake? Yeah, so first is, uh, you know, understanding uh, what we actually need to do and what to optimize and uh, which solution we need to have in order to indeed uh, give a solution that can scale from a couple of milliwatts on the mobile, mobile uh, segments to a couple of hundreds of uh, watts in the desktop segment and bring the best performance uh, we can bring into the table. 
Uh, and actually, one of the uh, things that we explored and understood is that you cannot, with a single type of architecture and a single type of general purpose computing, actually satisfy everything. And therefore, we had to come with uh, some hybrid architecture and uh, COP uh, solutions that will meet more than what we, ju- what we just do uh, typically. From my perspective, from, you know, from the execution point of view, of course, you know, it was the pandemic, right, that hit us just as the, at the beginning of the post-Silicon execution. And we really had, you know, to scramble and figure out solutions such that the project can continue. Uh, you know, the, it started off uh, when we uh, actually split up the lab, the validation lab in Israel. We, we actually used multiple of conference rooms and training rooms that were empty in the building and transferred them to B-Labs space such that we can, you know, create few capsules and, uh, you know, minimize the, the physical interaction and get the project going. And, you know, as we approach the critical milestones, the end of the project from at least on the desktop side, you know, we got hit on the on the bungalow side. You know, India went from, okay, let's wait till, till 5 p.m., then no work on weekend, and then no work at all for, for a couple of weeks. And that was, you know, the most critical phase of the project. And, you know, I'm glad to say that uh, the teams in, Israel, Bangalore, and all over the world really stood up to this challenge, and uh, it did, it practically didn't slow us down by a day. And, and and I know that you know processor design, like such as Alder, like it, these things take years, right? This is years in the making. Uh, I know people expect a new processor every year, but this stuff is years in the planning. How far were you into the development of Alder Lake when the pandemic f- flared up and affected, you know, your your workflow? Yeah, we already had the silicon in-house. So we already started testing and validating the silicon pretty much. So uh, it, it got us in the preparation for, you know, the, the most critical phase of the program, which is the, the post-silicon execution. Were there, were there any learnings from developing a, a, a processor during pandemic times that will influence the way that you approach things in the future? I think, you know, we learned that we can do such complex projects without so many travels. You know, when we started the project, I promised the team in Bangalore that I will pay them a visit. And that never happened. So I still owe them one. I, do, I really don't know what that's going to happen. Uh, hopefully soon, really hopefully soon. Uh, but that's part of it. You know, we used to do big face-to-faces, bring people from all over the world. Let's take Power One as an example, right? When you first get the first silicon, we used to bring experts from all over the world in the different domains to bring up the silicon. This time we did it virtually. And you know what? We found out that it's possible. Now, is it a good thing? Uh, probably. Is it the right thing to do forever? Hopefully not. Yeah, I guess, you know, when, when dealing with these billions of transistors, I suppose all the thousands of people have to get together and really celebrate these, these really major milestones. Yeah, I still hope we'll get to celebrate this properly. You know, we, we enjoy the, the CES, we enjoy watching the uh, events, but it's not the same thing. So I really hope to be able to celebrate with the entire team properly. So another question, just go, go back to some of the, some of the challenges. Uh, asked in the beginning about the scalable design, but uh, I want to hear more about the pros and cons of having to develop an architecture that has to support everything from high-end desktop all the way to ultra-mobile. Uh, you know, can you give me some of the quick pros and cons of things that you have to consider? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, when you're developing something that is a general purpose and has to fit to many type of uh, uh, use cases and uh, uh, big uh, uh, power envelopes, a, w- a, ri- a wide range of uh, power envelopes, you obviously cannot optimize for everything. 
So everything that you want to optimize, if you want to optimize something, you need to look, you need to do something that is uh, specific and uh, has a special purpose uh, inside. So you will be able to give the best uh, that you can do for this segment. Uh, so obviously we have uh, done a couple of compromises, but we are very satisfied with the result, meaning that we had to develop uh, things that will be general purpose, but also behave uh, in an heterogeneous way so they can satisfy many different uh, vectors. So, and, and this is, as I said also previously, you know, hybrid and heterogeneity is one of the things that you actually need if you want to satisfy different vectors in one architecture, as well as uh, scaling your architecture to be able to work with different type of sizes, different type of, different number of cores, different number of ports and so on. Um, so this uh, requirement, or actually this was uh, a decision we made, which led to quite a lot of decision later on, on the way we want to architect things. And eventually it paid off because uh, it was, it is rather optimized to the segments. And yet we were able to supply with one architecture, the different uh, segments. And there is a, there is a lot of uh, upside also for doing the, this because Eventually, when you look on the client, everything, uh, you know, is PC and the PC has to behave uh, in a similar way. Uh, when you optimize uh, one thing, you probably optimize it for multiple segment. Uh, when you implement something, it applies to uh, many other segment as well. So you earn from that. You don't need to validate everything uh, altogether. So we indeed uh, gain quite a lot. And this also enabled us to give uh, quite a lot of PRQs in such a, a small uh, time frame. Obviously, you need to do here and there some optimization uh, per segment, per type of die, and so on. But uh, this was the right trade-off eventually. And you mentioned optimization. So given that, uh, the, 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 that Alder Lake has so many different configurations across desktop, mobile, in fact, right now I'm wearing the 12900K, so I have eight P cores and eight E cores. Uh, can you can you tell me how did you determine the optimal uh, mix of different uh, core types? First, I, I must say that you know optimal is uh, is a problematic word because it's it's never optimal, and you can always uh, you know uh, do some nitpicking and look for a more optimal uh, configuration. And uh, in addition, uh, when you want to optimize. Uh, uh, a configuration, uh, you really need to look on the use case, on the scenario, on the power envelope. Each of them has a different optimization point. So you need to look in a broad uh, type of scenarios. You need to understand for each segment what the user actually wants and then select the one that fits it uh, the most. Uh, and I believe that uh, since the architecture was scalable, we were rather a um, able to actually find uh, a good enough topology uh, to satisfy what we want. And when we choose it, we just uh, went on with that and later on added a couple of additional tweaks to the architecture in order to optimize within this configuration that we have selected already. I think the important thing here, uh, you know, to complement what Arik just said is that, you know, this is a foundational, uh, foundational change, right? We are laying the ground for the decade to come in terms of the architecture and the product mix that we're going to be offering. And the mix of PCOs and ECOs, like Eric said, you know, it's a point solution and it, and it may change in the future. If you talk to us again, you know, in CS23, uh, we may have other products and other configurations and other optimization points coming up. Tell me more about the collaboration between the PCOR and ECOR teams. 
I, I would say that, uh, you know, just by uh, having to plug those two cores, two different cores into a one SOC, uh, we mandated the cooperation between the teams uh, because you need to uh, cooperate in terms of uh, instruction set. You need to cooperate in terms of a set of features, coherency, uh, same interfaces and protocol, power management, power delivery. The two teams had to work together and, and uh, uh, by SOC directing the type of uh, uh, features and requirements uh, and eventually bring one solution that will fit uh, one SOC. And of course, the SOC had to do different type of adjustment uh, since eventually uh, uh, those are two uh, different architecture with different characteristics and you need to satisfy both. Uh, so I would say there was uh, quite good uh, cooperation between the teams. Uh, they learned each other, optimized for whatever uh, we have requested. And eventually you see the results. Uh, both cores are working under a single cache uh, with a single power management entity sharing uh, multiple resources. Um, so obviously the cooperation uh, succeeded. From my perspective, again, you know, the collaboration across those two teams was uh, tremendous. Uh, and, it, and it started with a pretty long kind of a negotiation phase, right? You know, deprecating features, adding features on the other side uh, to get to a similar ISA, uh, such that eventually we can manage this machine. Uh, I, I think it was a, a pretty complex project and a pretty complex definition phase, you know, at the beginning of the project, which eventually yielded a pretty good product. The two microarchitectures behind P-Core and E-Core for Elder Lake, uh, that's Golden Cove on the P-Cores and that's Gracemont uh, for the for the E-Cores. And of course, that comes from a long line of coves and monts. Uh, would it be accurate to say that these microarchitectures were originally designed separately, but of course they have to come come together? And, and if so, um, does the performance hybrid for the future influence how these the next generation microarchitectures will be, will be developed? Well, I, I would say that, you know, those are two x86 cores um, uh, during the devel development of Mont, uh, obviously the teams are aware of what the uh, COVs uh, uh, are doing and uh, there is uh, sharing and learnings, but eventually if you put the teams uh, together and um, make them develop the cores uh, completely uh, in alignment, then you get eventually the same core. But uh, this uh, must not happen if you want to uh, support uh, something that is hybrid, something that goes into uh, and solve two different uh, problems. And therefore, uh, the two had different targets. They had uh, different targets. They eventually ended up with different characteristics and they solved uh, two different problems. And I would say that they supplement uh, each other. Um, so yes, uh, each of them had to look on the other side and see what's going on and uh, whether they optimize the same thing. Uh, but eventually you need to satisfy a, a certain uh, requirement uh, and therefore uh, you end up with uh, with the different, uh, different animal, I would say. Both are very powerful uh, cores, both are uh, supporting the same ISA. Uh, teams met, uh, and uh, methodologies that we develop are similar. Uh, but uh, you you take the uh, design and uh, you know tweak it to fit the envelope uh, that you want, and this, and, uh, and 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 you get the the hybrid solution by that. So you mentioned two teams. Do you think that there's any uh, spirit of competition between between the two of them? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, there's always competition, but uh, the teams are growing enough, enough to, uh, to know what's their role and uh, what they need to optimize. Um, and I think uh, in that aspect, and you can see, you know, just by looking at the sizes of the cores, uh, they are different. Uh, they are different in the size, they are different in the structure, uh, they are different in uh, what they give eventually. Uh, so yeah, uh, both of them are uh, very um, ambitious teams and uh, wants to be uh, the best, uh, but the best in what uh, the SOC eventually requires. I think you know the two of them coming together, right, is eventually what make uh, makes Adelex so unique, right? And uh, the different uh, implementations as Ari described them are actually bringing the value to the product. So. You know, uh, each of those uh, core teams is, uh, you know, running on its own and developing the best they need to develop uh, and meeting their KPIs. Uh, but eventually stitching them together and bringing, bringing the solution to the market is where, is where the magic happens. And, and I think one thing is instead of just highlighting, and we've been talking a lot about the, the, the coming together, the, the marriage of the P cores and E cores, but even the gen on gen uh, leap in performance is is quite remarkable. So I wanted to ask about the P cores. What are some of the biggest contributing factors to that really big gen-on-gen uh, -gen increase in IPC for P core? Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't say there is uh, the biggest or uh, several uh, big features uh, that gave everything. I would say that it's across the board of optimization. I think every pipe stage was optimized from the front end to the uh, uh, to the ex uh, th uh, through the execution and and to the memory, there's optim there's smartness that was added into the uh, different uh, structures as well as increasing the structure in order to supply more uh, performance. A lot of smartness was added to the front end, uh, better prefetching, um, a, a better prediction of uh, branch prediction, uh, bigger UOP cache, bigger uh, UOP uh, queues out of order, which is uh, wider and uh, stronger, more execution ports, uh, smarter and uh, faster uh, uh, floating, uh, sorry, uh, adder, um, another load port and so on. So I would say that it was across the board and, uh, you know, there's no one bottleneck that needs to be solved in order to get more IPC out of the course. Uh, it's a mature course. You need to solve multiple bottlenecks, and that get the this big IPC uh, improvement. Uh, and you know all of that with also making sure the power is not going up too much. So I would say they did a great job uh, going over the entire uh, microarchitecture and optimizing things. And you see the results; it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I would add two more items in terms of the SOC to platform collaboration. Uh, first of all, of course, is the uh, memory technology. Right, going up towards uh, DDR5 on the desktop side and uh, LPDDR5 uh, on the mobile side. And specifically on desktop, uh, dedicated effort and a lot of uh, focus on overclocking. You know, adding specific features, adding new capabilities uh, and addressing a, a specific overclocking headroom. And you see that in terms of the number of uh, world records that were broken shortly after the desktop launch and global first place, even with, you know, the i9, i7, i5 configurations, uh, which, uh, you know, emphasizes the overclocking headroom we have in the product. Oh, of course. I was talking to uh, Dan Ragland here in Oregon, and he had a lot of great things to say about how fun those e-cores are to overclock. So let's let's move on to e-cores. Um, besides their space efficiency, and I've 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 seen that you know the the a cluster of four e-cores fits into about one of the uh, one one real estate of the p-cores, which is certainly impressive. 
what other aspects of eCores uh, or eCore contributes most to its really surprisingly strong performance? Yeah, I would say there are two additional uh, kind of high level, uh, I would say, benefits uh, that comes with the eCores. One is the ability to utilize uh, bandwidth. Uh, cache bandwidth and memory bandwidth by clustering the uh, four e-cores and uh, having a big L2 uh, serving them. Uh, The bandwidth utilization uh, on the last level cache and the memory is uh, is better and therefore you can utilize the resource better and consume less power, uh, which eventually yields uh, more performance and more efficiency. And the second, uh, it's not more for performance, but Basically, it gives us the ability to go into lower uh, envelopes because the core is, is smaller and then you, if you want to consume less power, regardless of energy and so on, then you can go uh, and uh, draw much less power. So I would say those are the, there is a, those are the two, uh, you know, in addition to the area density, which is a big factor. Yeah, and there are probably two firsts, you know, with this eCore uh, family, right? First of all is... Uh, First time we implement those on the Intel 7 process, right? And second is first time we really bring ECOs to the masses in terms of a high volume product that spans, you know, over the entire, you know, client ecosystem, uh, you know, with uh, uh, millions and millions of units. So that's that's where we really, you know, see uh, ECO, you know, shining for the first time in, in volume that they've never seen before. I want to ask a question about the, the the platform, and that's about you know you mentioned DDR5 earlier, but we also have another another leading support uh, for uh, PCIe Gen 5.0, and there was a there was a demo that we just released uh, just a, a few days ago. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that uh, PCIe storage demo? In fact, sure. So let, let me tell you a short story about this demo. Uh... You know, when uh, along the process of developing uh, Alder Lake, uh, we were ahead of the ecosystem because, you know, you cannot obtain today a discrete graphics or an SSD, which is uh, PCIe 5-based. Uh, so, you know, uh, we had voices saying, okay, guys, you're driving something that you cannot even test, you cannot even validate. How can you say that you support PCIe 5 when the ecosystem is not there? And, you know, we drove the team crazy. We, we, we told them, hey, we're going to do this. I don't care where the ecosystem is. I'm going to be ahead of the ecosystem. We are going to be ahead of the ecosystem and let them chase us once and for all. Okay. And the team developed uh, internal testing and validation capabilities and developed the exact steps they need to take in order to ensure that we really meet the PCIe 5 spec, including the uh, available certification. Uh, and show us that, you know, they are uh, entitled to the title uh, uh, PCIe 5 ready, okay? And it wasn't trivial. I think, you know, we got it done pretty much at the last minute before releasing the product. And uh, I'm happy that, you know, the team stood up to this challenge. Otherwise, you wouldn't see that demo, okay? You've just seen a couple of days ago. Uh, And the ecosystem is still not there, by the way, right? You know, uh, SSDs are probably a year out and the sweet graphics probably give or take the same, right? We don't really know uh, when those are going to show up, uh, but desktop has a strong aftermarket, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, volume, and we believe eventually you and users like you will be able to upgrade an Adelex system to PCIe 5 based uh, discrete graphics or SSDs. So um, along those same lines, with Gen 5 SSDs set to arrive before Gen 5 GPUs, and hopefully supply will be much greater then. Uh, why don't we support natively segmenting the CPU lanes into X8, X4, and X4? 
Yeah, I think we just, uh, you know, assume that uh, Gen 4 uh, bandwidth will satisfy storage at least for all the lake time frame. And uh, we uh, aimed uh, Gen 5 to, to satisfy uh, discrete graphics. Um, I, I think this is the main reason. Um, and, you know, bleeding edge, of course, is DDR5, same story. You know, finding, finding this cutting edge technology can be a challenge. But one of the great things is that Alder Lake also supports uh, DDR4. So I, I imagine that this must present some uh, design complexities. So what were the challenges of supporting four memory types through a single PHY? Wow, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's, a, it's a big complexity because, uh, you, you know, you cannot optimize the everything and you need to have the, uh, different type of training, different type of uh, uh, handling inside the memory controllers. The protocols are different. The uh, handling of each type of uh, of the uh, DDRs, uh, both in terms of the amount of uh, different uh, speeds that they are supporting, uh, as well as validating each of the topologies. Uh, you know, we are supporting uh, memory uh, frequency changes and uh, different speeds, and therefore we had to select for each of the technology, what will be the optimized points that uh, will go with each of the technologies. Um, another aspect was the Combo Phi, obviously. Combo Phi is, is a big thing, no one does it. Um, and actually, Intel invested quite a lot, uh, and it works. Um, and this was, uh, I would say, uh, a big achievement to the Phi team. They are very proud of, uh, of uh, giving the Combo Phi, uh, and it works with the, uh, the two technologies. Yeah, from the platform side, uh, again, you know, working on four different memory technologies in parallel is, is unprecedented. And specifically, you know, DDR5 and LP5 uh, were developed, you know, hand-in-hand uh, in hand with other legs. So, you know, when we had our early silicon, they had the early silicon. And when you run into problems, you know, guess, you know, who, who is to blame and how do you fix the problem? And then you need to wait for them to spin off their silicon and we need to spin our silicon. So it was, you know, uh, it was an ongoing process that eventually, you know, took time to converge uh, across both the DDR5 and the LP5 uh, domains. Uh, it was part of the, you know, most fascinating stuff uh, that we've done on Adelaide is really, you know, to be first to enable those uh, technologies in the ecosystem and being able to support all four different uh, technologies at the same time. And not only supporting new technologies, but also uh, the, the performance hybrid architecture. You're integrating two different micro architectures in, in a single SOC. Is it incrementally 1.5 times more difficult or is it twice as difficult to support two compared to just doing a, a single homogenous design? Oh, well, how to quantify it like that, but it's uh, significantly, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's significantly complex uh, comparing to a single uh, microarchitecture, uh, both uh, because of the interactions, uh, you know, you need to interact with uh, two teams, you need to have uh, some compromise, uh, and you need to eventually design it to actually work with those two architecture, which uh, are different in their characteristics. I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, you know, if you want to put them under a single cache with a single uh, power delivery, then what do you do? It's not only power budgeting, it's resource budgeting. Uh, how would you set the frequency? How would you set the voltage? How would you optimize the operation? Um, sometimes they work together, sometimes they work separately. Uh, they do share the cache as a resource. How do you divide the resource between the uh, small core and the, and the big core in order to optimize performance? 
Uh, you also have priorities uh, on different usages, which are different. Uh, take into account, you know, you have more than just one module of uh, e-cluster. How would you schedule it? Would you do uh, first the B-cores and then the E-cores? Would you do one on the E-core and then one on the other module of the E-core? Would you fill fix? Would you first uh, fill E-cores uh, together and then switch uh, among them? So I would say the just just by going into hybrid architecture and just by having those in front of us uh, opened a huge range of things we need to think of uh, when we optimize. And I think we did a huge mileage in optimizing things and the good things uh, for us at least that we think that we still have a lot to do and still have a lot to, to optimize. So you still have margin to optimize and get more from this architecture. Uh, if you look on the platform level, software level, or, and the OS, this yet opens uh, another uh, another challenge uh, to face with, uh, which uh, yet uh, uh, being added to the complexity because uh, you know you, it's not just that you develop your CPU uh, and then you hand it over and it works uh, exactly as you wanted with every software or every OS. Software needs uh, to be uh, optimized uh, when it's running on the CPU. And one of the things that we have taught uh, was that, you know, the way we work, we supply CPU to every box in the world, has to work with every OS, every software with a lot of legacy. We need to keep it as much as transparent from the application. And this is uh, why we have so uh, selected a solution together with Microsoft and cooperated together with them on bringing a solution that is mostly transparent to the application, involves the OS on scheduling, involves the hardware, tries to do things decoupled between the two. Um, and eventually I think uh, it ended up uh, just fine. I, I've uh, obviously I've noticed we've talked about how flexible the the Alder Lake uh, you know design is, but with the announcement of the the whole full family, there there are there are uh, variants that have uh, just uh, six six performance cores only or four performance cores only. Are these completely different designs, or are they uh, do they share a lot of commonality with the ones with P cores and E cores? No, there is a lot of commonality. Of course, this was done uh, to uh, provide a price performance optimized uh, segment of the market, uh, mainly on the desktop side. Uh, the, the SOC design itself was uh, developed upfront to accommodate this option. So it's not something that you do after the fact, right? It was designed uh, that way upfront. And uh, eventually, you know, it was uh, a rather simple uh, project to do uh, as long as the definition was done right. I should have asked this immediately following up from what, what Eric said about uh, software, but I, I want to revisit uh, how much of the of the Alder Lake design hinged on the way software would operate with the processor? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, uh, we relied only on, on uh, software and software optimization. I think we did quite a lot and the majority of the, I would say the essence of the technology also comes from the CPU. We invested quite a lot uh, you know, in the cores and in the SOC to be able to understand what is actually running on the CPU. It's something that we never did in the, uh, in the past. We had quite a lot of uh, telemetry uh, that we have inside the core, uh, pretty good and well-established architecture to be able to understand what is actually running in terms of characterize the nature of what is actually running. So 
when you look on uh, instruction that are running uh, and the behavior of the core, you are able to actually understand what the application is doing. Uh, together with that, uh, we advertising that uh, into the SOC level and then advertising it uh, uh, to the OS through the memory. Uh, and uh, and uh, in addition to the type of application, uh, looking at the scenario that we are running, whether it's uh, um, uh, lightly threaded or many or uh, um, uh, fully uh, utilizing all the threads, whether you have IOs utilized and so on. Together with all of that and the power envelope, we were able to actually put some guidelines, some hints to the OS saying, you need to do this and that. Um, and I would say, you know, it's, uh, it's relying on the, uh, on the SOC, but, or on the, sorry, on the software, uh, but, uh, but it's, it's easy to shift uh, between different uh, type of uh, OSs. So I, I would say the, the majority of the support is in the CPU already. And having the the OS scheduler work with with uh, with twelfth gen, um, we we've developed technology called the Intel Thread Director, which uh, you know helps helps to put the right thread on the right core at the right time. Especially with Windows eleven, of course, you know it's coming to other OSs too, like Linux in time. Uh, but in relative terms of uh, challenges, um, how how difficult was it to uh, implement and develop something like Thread Director? It was difficult. It, it involved quite a lot of teams uh, around the globe. It's not only the SOC team in uh, Israel, it's uh, platform teams uh, um, uh, in the US, it's uh, a software persons, it's a meeting with Microsoft that did the terrific uh, work on that. So it involved a lot of parties, uh, parties uh, you know, it's, it, you need to enable the ecosystem uh, for this feature to work. Um, so you need to understand in software, you need to understand what platform is doing, you need to understand the CPU. Obviously not one person, not one team that can uh, can do that. And therefore, you know, every feature that is actually uh, an integrative of multiple uh, uh, teams uh, that comes from the different areas of expertise is always uh, difficult. You need to uh, understand the different languages um, uh, to eventually get to the, uh, the best results. So I would say uh, it's a complex one, uh, but I, um, I think, uh, as you can see, it is working and it is working uh, directly uh, um, while we uh, have, shift, have shipped uh, the, uh, the parts. So uh, it, it ended up very good. And I, I would add that you know the, this is all this is all done in parallel to uh, Microsoft developing Windows 11, which is probably one of the biggest jumps on their side right in the last few years. Uh, and they have their own constraints and their own schedule and their own problems that they need to uh, resolve and bring the product to market. And I, I must say that you know the collaboration between Intel and Microsoft uh, to get this solution on time to Windows 11 to meet. Uh, the constraints of you know both projects, right? Both the other projects and the Windows 11 projects uh, was a tremendous uh, collaboration, and I think both uh, both companies should be proud of the end result. I think, based on everything you're telling me, I, I think that the level of uh, complexity in in developing both hardware and software together cannot be cannot be understated. How do the power management challenges compare for? In the P and E cores that we've been talking about versus the other elements of the system, like you know the SOC, the memory controller, uh, PCIe, and uh, internal fabrics. First, you know everything that you develop uh, for the first time is more complex. Uh, so every every technology that you deal with for the first time is more complex than incremental changes that you have uh, on other parts.
parties that you are already familiar with. Uh, when you look on the memory subsystem, PCIe, the, the set of features is actually different than the set of features that you have for the cores. Uh, you mostly update uh, idle power on, uh, on PCIe. Uh, you have a very uh, defined states. Memory subsystem uh, is the destination of uh, uh, the compute and it's handled uh, almost the same uh, uh, on, uh, incrementally on a different generations. So I would say it's much bigger than just PCA and memory subsystem. And um, from power management perspective, uh, the first thing you need to do is making sure that uh, those uh, different cores, while they are a different microarchitecture, they work uh, seamlessly together. Uh, both needs to work uh, and uh, work under a similar uh, a power budget, a thermal budget, they are sharing uh, currents uh, from the voltage regulators on the platform, same battery, they are competing resources. You need to make sure both are, are uh, supporting all the set of features uh, and uh, the need to actually calculate things per different type of cores is a very complex thing. And therefore, one of the things that uh, we went with is to make sure that we treat those cores uh, evenly uh, in terms of uh, power management until the point that you need to select which best uh, for performance or for power in terms of optimization. So functionally, uh, they support the full set of features. Uh, by the way, just uh, didn't mention, but eCore is supporting the entire set of feature. Uh, the core is supporting four generations. So it did also this leap, uh, you know, joining the core in all the uh, different uh, type of power management uh, tweaks and tricks that we did uh, in the previous generation, turbo, uh, budgeting, software interfaces, and so on. So we brought them into the same uh, same stage. Um, so it took time and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's much complex, uh, more complex than memory subsystem and PC. Um, I asked before about collaboration between the teams that, that, that work on the, the SOC, but uh, can you also tell me about the collaboration between the team that uh, designs the SOC and of course the overall platform down to the chipset and uh, and across both desktop and mobile. What are the collaborations between everything to bring one big platform together? Yeah, sure. I'll take this one. Uh, I, I think that you know Adelec was a great example of you know cross teams and cross geos collaboration. Uh, we practically manage the software integration of the platform in a continuous integration mode. We had the kind of a daily stand-up, like a scrum meeting pretty much, that you know, when you bring all the experts to the room and make sure that uh, every bit of the software is being uh, tweaked and changed to support uh, whatever the silicon and the platform needs at that time. And the great collaboration between the SOC team and the platform team enabled us to deliver timely both samples of hardware and software codes to our uh, OEM partners across the globe. Uh, and across the different projects, and we're running most of them, you know, many of them in parallel, both the desktop and the mobile projects. Uh, I would say this collaboration was uh, tremendous, and it's a you know great opportunity to thank the team on both sides for this collaboration and bringing the, both the hardware and the software together to the market. Well, it, it sounds like there's a lot to be proud of and a lot to celebrate. So I have to ask, you know, Tomer, you're talking about you know coming together virtually for Power On, but uh, what, what did you guys do to, to celebrate when, you know, power on or even the release of, of, of Alder Lake, did you do anything special to, uh, to celebrate either by yourself or with your teams? No, at least in Israel, you know, we tried, 
we, we had an internal webcast. We communicated to the employees, at least, you know, trying to share the excitement. Uh, we provided specific, you know, a newsletter to the employees with the highlights of uh, the launch event and the press coverage that went along with it. And we're probably going to do something similar next week following up uh, the CS excitement. Uh, beyond that, waiting for COVID to calm down and hopefully we can celebrate, you know, bigger just like we like and just like we did on prior projects. What about you, Eric? And, and the only reason I'm asking is, you know, uh, you know, here here in America, people, you know, have the joke of when something uh, a great, they hit a great milestone, they say, I'm going to Disneyland or, or something like that. You know, is, is it, are, are you going to, are you going to take a vacation? Are you going to buy yourself a, a, a new car or something like that? <laughs> how do, yeah, how do you no, I think, I think the, you know, the, the, the satisfaction and the, and um, I think it's, it's enough. I think the, the phone calls we had between the teams saying, you know, it, it actually works after so many things you do in one project it's actually amazing that it works and it and the, and the boot was so fast this times we were amazed and I remember you know only not only the boot I remember the uh, really short time after boot uh, looking at all the packet C state actually working functionally and say wow how come it actually works out of the box and so on we knew we have a, a long way to actually optimize things and until silicon is mature to be uh, uh, PRQ'd but uh, I think this was the uh, this was the satisfaction when you do such a big thing and eventually uh, it end up uh, working and uh, you identify problem but you, you do see uh, uh, a very good signs. I think this this was uh, satisfying enough, and uh, the team really felt good about it, and a lot of motivations to the next uh, project and the next challenges. I think that uh, you know it also opened uh, our minds to uh, do more, think big, take uh, take risk, and I'm hoping uh, at least in architecture this is the spirit that we need to take. And, and of course, in in the world of uh... In the world of engineering and design uh, at Intel, you guys never you guys never sit still. So, uh, what's you know what's what's next for you you guys and your teams? So I'm working on the next gen beyond Alder Lake uh, already. Uh, you know, GB uh, disclosed it. You know, in few words at CS, uh, he called the project uh, codename Raptor Lake, and he said that you know we already have silicon booting in the lab. So I can say what GB said. And, you know, we're busy with that and uh, that will keep us busy in the next year for sure. Yeah, in my end, uh, up to like as well, but we are also looking at uh, the next generation. The, after that, cannot tell you too much details, but I, it's, it is exciting. And uh, I think uh, the market has uh, what to look for. And uh, we are trying to be aggressive. Uh, no vacation here. Well, after COVID, I think we all uh, deserve a, a, a long getaway to someplace tropical and, and nice. Um, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Alder Lake, big fan of your, your work. I have a, even a, a deeper appreciation for all the work that goes behind uh, a design of this and the, all the teams that have to come together, both uh, in person and, and virtually. So I look forward to Raptor Lake and everything uh, else. Uh, beyond. So, uh, Eric, Tomer, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join me virtually. Uh, it was really enlightening, and I really can't wait to follow up with you guys once we have the, the, the next one that we can talk about. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully next CS we do this face-to-face. -face. <laughs> we'll do this all over again with, with, the new, with the new processor. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, too. All right.
That was Eric and Tomer joining me virtually from Israel. They're a couple of the designers behind Alder Lake, that's 12th gen Intel core processors. And what a treat it was to learn about the intricacies and the making of, of Alder Lake. Uh, this was a special episode of Intel Chip Chat, uh, kind of presented to you from the desk of Intel Talking Tech. It was a real pleasure to have the conversation. I'm so glad I can share it with you here. Of course, there's plenty more on the Intel Technology Channel and, of course, on uh, wherever you get your podcasts for Intel Chip Chat. Thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to the next one. See you soon. Mm-hmm.